Hi everyone, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford. He is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. I got the point that time instead of the camera. You got two points, Mike. I got two points instead of the camera. All right, well, Wes, (laughs) we are another day closer to Packers-Vikings Sunday night football from U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. The Packers' third consecutive road game that will be in prime time, which I don't know if that's ever happened before, but New England, Seattle, now Minneapolis. So let's take a closer look at this Vikings team. They're just one game ahead of the Packers at 5-4-1. Packers are 4-5-1. Both teams right now trailing the Chicago Bears in the NFC North. And the Vikings coming off of a primetime loss to those first-place Bears at Soldier Field in Chicago last Sunday night, a game in which Minnesota's offense really struggled to get anything going against that Chicago defense. Well, it goes back to what I've always said, Michael. With this game, you never know how it's going to play out. At the beginning of the year, I think you and I, you could probably roll back. Marvin can bring up the past unscripted episodes. We thought it was going to be the Packers and Vikings 1-2 for the division, and maybe the loser of that being a wildcard team. Uh, And you see how the season plays out. The Chicago Bears have really come on. I mean, offensively, they're doing what they have to do to take care of business. The Vikings are different in that watching them sort of struggle a little bit with this Kirk Cousins era uh, has kind of caught me off guard a little bit. They're 31st right now against the uh, with the with the run yeah. offensively. Uh, you're getting the performances you want to get out of you know Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, but offensively it's been you know kind of hit or miss for them. Defensively, that's the same defense. They're still making plays, but. I don't know if uh, – I don't want to say it's been a disappointment because I wouldn't say that. We see how difficult it is to find solid quarterback play in the NFL. But I think, if anything, this season has kind of showed that Kirk Cousins is human and that expectations for as sky high as they were going into the season, right. uh, they always have to be adjusted. Yeah, and I think the injury early in the season to Dalvin Cook, I think, really changed the totally. outlook for this offense because I think you and I were both thinking, you know, Dalvin Cook coming back from the uh, the injury from a year ago, he was really going to be a centerpiece of this offense, and nothing against Latavius Murray, yeah. who filled in right. very well. But Dalvin Cook is more of that game breaker type Absolutely. in the in the running game that they haven't had. And I just I think if this Vikings offense gets Dalvin Cook going again, like they had him going last year before he got hurt with Case Keenum at quarterback, I think this Vikings offense could really take off. So it you say, yes, they're 31st in the league against the run. It sounds kind of crazy, but I think one of the keys for the Packers is going to be to to keep sure. them there, to yep. not let Dalvin Cook get going, because to me that's just going to make Kirk Cousins' life so much easier. Well, and that's what kind of surprises me about the offense this year for Minnesota. I think there's a lot of people that would agree, I, I would hope most would agree, that Kirk Cousins is an upgrade over the, the kind of quarterback triangle that they had last year there. Uh, and yet you look at what they did with Case Keenum and Latavius Murray – and the offense in some ways was a little more effective with basically the same offensive line. So it's weird how season to season there isn't always that consistency. There's still adjustments that happen, mm-hmm. and the game changes. That being said, Mike, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year, injuries, no injuries, Delvin Cook has 55 carries for 199 yards, 3.6 yards per carry. 70 of those came on one run. Right, he had the one big 70-yarder. Like It's yeah. incredible that he did have that one breakthrough run, but yet the yards per carry are that low. As you said, though, and you pointed out perfectly, the Packers can't rest on their laurels there. He's still going to be a supreme matchup for them, and Murray still gives them a really good change of pace. And it adds to a, a pretty 
on paper, a pretty balanced offense when they're taking care of the football. Yeah, I think, uh, was it Diggs in their receiving core who missed a game or two yes. somewhere recently? I can't remember exactly which yeah. uh, which games he missed. It was As the Detroit game. The Detroit game, yeah. So, I mean, with him being back, I saw him catching a lot of underneath balls against the Bears in that game last Sunday night. He put up a pretty good game, but didn't have any of those game-breaking type of plays. And I think a lot of that was because they just could not get the running game going against that Chicago front. The Bears, the Bears' defensive line, really defensive front, set the tone in that game. You mentioned Minnesota's offensive line. I think this is a unit that is going to be out for a little bit of redemption here against the Packers because – that's the unit that's taking a lot of heat in the Minneapolis media right now for the letdown at Soldier Field and and how it took the offense until the fourth quarter when they were kind of in desperation mode before they really started to move the ball with any consistency. So this Vikings offensive line, they're going to be back home, you know, in their own elements. And uh, Packer, the Packers defensive front, yes, they're banged up. Mike Daniels is not in there. This isn't the same defensive front that the Bears have, but that's where the Packers have to try to control this ball game. You have to, uh, because, I mean, you've seen in the past what, what uh, you know, Cook can do when he's healthy and, and be effective against teams, and honestly, Latavius Murray's been doing it for the last five, six years, whether it goes back to his time with the Raiders or now in the second part of his career with the Vikings. Uh, both of those guys have the capabilities of breaking it and, and also moving the chains just down in distance uh, and doing the, the small things to be effective out of the backfield. The the biggest thing I think that plays into, though, the desire to need to stop them is because it does somewhat limit the downfield passing game then of uh, the Vikings. We've seen it against the Packers in the past, too. When they're able to move the ball and get those favorable second and third down situations, that's when you start to see Diggs go on more go routes. That's when you start yeah, to see Adam they'll, Thielen they'll having, take their shots. having the yeah. deep crossers. Yep. Uh, so you have to be on your, your game from that regard. And, and you know, otherwise... You know, it kind of reminds me, Mike, a little bit, um, you're a baseball guy. I used to be a baseball guy where, you know, you'd play a certain team. Let's just say the Cardinals, for example. And you could kind of visualize who's going to be at first, who's going to be at second, who's going to be the outfield. It's such a consistent group. Yeah. Uh, and you know where they're going to be in the batting order. I look at the Vikings in a very similar light, offensive and defensive. You know you're going to have to deal with Kyle Rudolph and just the, the multitude of options they have. Now, again, is there, you know, that – you know, Tyreek Hill or just a guy that completely strikes fear in you? Maybe yes, maybe no. It's a lot of possession receivers in that offense. But that being said, uh, you, you can't allow them to get going because Adam Thielen, too, has had some really big games against this team. Yeah, well, Thielen had, was it eight consecutive games to start the year with uh, with 100 yards? Right. He's, he's cooled off a, a little bit. You know, obviously, you can't keep that up forever. He's cooled off a little bit production-wise, but as you said, he's had some big games against the Packers. You know, he and Diggs both made huge plays in the fourth quarter at Lambeau Field yeah. when uh, when the Vikings made that comeback to get the game here in Week Two into overtime, which which ultimately ended in a tie. Um, Thielen is Thielen is a guy that uh, that's earned a ton of respect. Uh, not only around the league, but certainly within the NFC North and uh, and the games he's had against Green Bay, the Packers are going to have to they're, they're going to have to clamp down on him better than they have. The one thing I like about the Packers secondary this though, it's almost a different group uh, than what they saw in that Week Two game. True. Uh, you know, you True. also depending on if Bashad Breeland's available, he's now in there. Devon House is on injured reserve. I really, really want to see that matchup between if it works out to see Jair Alexander against Adam Thielen. Uh, because I mean, there had there's been some flexibility that they've had to do, you know, 
Alexander said, in a perfect world, he enjoys playing the slot more. He's fine doing either. He feels he can be a Pro Bowl-type player at either spot, but he just enjoys being involved in the game more and getting a chance to make some plays. As Tremont Williams always likes to say, when you're on a boundary, it kind of gets lonely out there. Yeah. Uh, Alexander likes the action, and I just think seeing him and Thielen can be a really – I think it's going to be a really good matchup for years to come. But if you could get that, if you get enough guys healthy to have that potentially play out in this game, I think that would be really big for Mike Pettin's defense. Well, we saw in the Week 2 game here at Lambeau Field when the Packers had Kevin King on Stephon Diggs, how the the Packers' defense was really, really tough that day for about three quarters. And then when Kevin King left the game and they had to start shuffling some things around in the secondary, suddenly Minnesota's offense – took off so we'll see as the week goes on what uh, what the word is with Kevin King in his ability to stay step for step with Diggs in that game I thought was so key I, I mean it's still out of all like if I took the top 10 passes defense or interceptions of the year so far even though it wasn't a pick that that play where he goes stride for stride with him yeah, down, that the side down the far sideline with there. no yep. help whatsoever over the top it's just go there's your man go make a play and unfortunately, he ended up pulling out of that with the groin injury shortly after that. But I've been saying it since day one. When you look at King's size and his speed, Mike, and the fact that he can play the boundary position against some really tall, lengthy, athletic receivers, he is exactly what you need in 2018 to be able to defend against that. Yeah. All righty. Well, uh, quickly, Wes, a little sponsor business. The powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, defensive side of the ball for the Minnesota Vikings. They've had some guys in and out. Everson Griffin is back in now after missing a lot of time for yeah. some personal reasons. Anthony Barr, it sounds like maybe he's coming back this week after missing um, some games. You know, your mainstays in there, Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Xavier Rhodes. I mean, this this is still a pretty darn good unit. And, and the guy who's really the kind of striking fear in everybody is that pass rusher, Daniil Hunter. What's he up to now, 11 and a 11 half, and a half second sacks? most in the NFL right now. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's been racking them up this year. Um, interesting story behind him just because he's a guy who came into the NFL without a whole lot of fanfare, but yet he's developed into – quite the productive pass rusher yeah and this is what I've always respected about Mike Pettin's defense whether excuse me Mike Zimmer's defense although I do respect Pettin's too <laughs> uh, going back to either whether it was with his time with Cincinnati or now these last four or five years with Minnesota it's never just one guy certainly Everson Griffin's been on a good run and when everything's right you know is a very effective player yeah but it's not just one guy he always has somebody else that steps up and Hunter's really became that player over the last two and a half seasons. And as you mentioned, I don't know if there was a lot of fanfare with him. He wasn't one of these, you know, Harrison Smith, you know, first round, all eyes on him type prospects. Right. But what he's been able to do and the impact he's been able to make has been pretty incredible. And especially, Mike, when you say the 11 and a half sacks, much like Thielen, I mean, he had this first six or seven games, seven games with at least one sack, and then had three and a half against Detroit in that day. I believe Matthew Stafford got taken down ten times. Ten times, yeah. That was a new a new Vikings record. Yeah. They, uh, they uh, sacked Stafford ten times. And when you think about back to the days of the Purple People Eaters yeah. and all that, I know sacks maybe weren't an official statistic back then, but to think that this Vikings defense set the franchise record for sacks in one game with ten, that that's saying something. It was something else. And, and like I said, to be able to a third round pick in 2015, six foot five, 260 pounds, be able to get that kind of impact, uh, a very 
really critical thing. And, and you know, because you're going to get your first-round picks, but being able to find these type of guys, being able to find the Adam Thielens of the world, as we've seen with some of these Packer teams in the past that have really excelled, it's those type of players that can put a defense or an offense over the top. Yeah, and when you're talking pass rush, we all know that uh, the pass rush for a team playing at home when the defense is at home is always different mm -hmm. than on the road. And, uh, and the Packers' offensive line, obviously, is going to have its hands full. You get the noise going. The offense has to go to the silent count. Those pass rushers, just they have that. I wouldn't even say it's a half a second. It's a, it's a fraction of a half of a second that uh, they, they get a little bit of a jump that you don't necessarily get when you're playing on the road as a pass rusher, and, uh, and it, it, makes, uh, it makes the task of protecting a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers that much tougher. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, too. The thing I'm looking forward to watching in this matchup, so obviously Trey Wayne, Xavier Rhodes, they're the one-two. Uh, they've been that way for a number of years, but they lost Mike Hughes for this season. Yeah. So seeing exactly how they match up there, I to be honest with you, I'm not. I, is it mostly Ben McKenzie Alexander handling the slot? I'm not even entirely. I know sure. he's been playing a lot more, obviously, since Hughes went out. But I don't. I how don't they know. handle that sub package? Yeah. But anyway, Hughes, that was kind of seen as that was going to be his spot, and he was looking pretty good there early on this season. As yeah, he was drafted in the first round specifically to be that yeah. guy for them this season to to add add that one extra top line, you know cover corner type guy yeah so whereas in the past you know they've been so deep at so many positions they still are relatively speaking but they've had to really at, at all three major spots have had to dig a little bit deeper into that depth chart than they have the past few seasons at least to the naked eye yeah and for all the the disappointment in some ways that is surrounding the vikings because they did come in with super bowl hopes and yet here they are at five four and one they're in second place in their own division Minnesota is still looking at this, at least I would imagine they are, from Mike Zimmer's point of view, as, hey, we're right in this thing. You beat the Packers, you yeah. get to 6-4-1, and one. you have another shot at the Bears because the Bears are coming to your place in December, all that kind of stuff. The Vikings are looking at it as, hey, we still have everything right in front of us. Who cares about these four losses and one tie? Let's, uh, let's take care of business at home and get rolling and get ourselves another shot in the playoffs like last year. So as much as uh, they're disappointed with what happened on Sunday night at Soldier Field, this is a team that is going to be fired up and ready to go. 100%, uh, especially wanting to defend their home turf after losing two games there already this season. They only lost one last year uh, up until, obviously, you know the final stretch. But uh, that being said, I, I, just, I look right now, Michael, at this thing, uh, you know, they, they had the inexcusable loss to Buffalo, but otherwise they're in a very similar boat to the Packers in that, you know, a close loss in L.A., uh, you lose a close one to Chicago. Uh, you know, they, they, they've had some very competitive games over the course of the season, 10-point loss to New Orleans. They just have not been able to get over the hump in those. So, uh, yeah, this is a I, – I, I always am nervous, and I don't like saying must-win games, but I think you can pretty much agree the Packers are in that scenario right now. Yeah. Uh, considering this is a division opponent, you're this close in the race. I, I think the, a win like this is really going to be able to ca catapult either team into uh, that fourth quarter of the season. Yeah, you're right. It is. It's kind of a, a potential launching pad, so to speak, for either team. Because from Minnesota's point of view, as I said, if they get to six four and one, and they know that Chicago is coming to their place later in the season, they'll feel like they're right where they want to be. From the Packers' point of view win and get to 5-5-1, five, five and one, and you have two home games coming up after all of these road, you know, four road games in five weeks and, and all the struggles on the road. If you can snap those struggles on the road and get a win and you're coming back home for two games, then you feel like you can thrust yourself right, right. back into the conversation. So um, one other thing, um, actually, I should take care of some sponsor business. Yeah, let's do that. Yes. All right.
At home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, before we go today, I do want to preview a little bit the Turkey Day of Football. Yeah, Thanksgiving, let's do it. The Thanksgiving triple header. A really interesting slate of games in that all three games are not only NFC, strictly NFC teams, but they're all division matchups. Yeah. You have the Chicago Bears going to Detroit in the early game. You have the Washington Redskins going to Dallas for the late afternoon game. And then I forget the location, but it's Falcons and Saints. In, it's in, in New Orleans. Orleans. Okay. Falcons yeah. at Saints in the NFC South for the night game. All these have really interesting narratives because the Bears, obviously in first place in the North, but they just played a Sunday night football right. game. And they have to kick it off at 1130 Central Time in Detroit on Thursday. I actually did the math. They're... Their turnaround time from end of game to start of next game is about 12 hours shorter than what the Packers had for the after the Miami from the Miami yeah. to Seattle. So they didn't have to take a cross country. No, they don't have to LA, take a cross. Yeah. They don't have to take a cross country flight. But 12 hours is is yeah. is 12 hours. And then you have the Redskins who are down to their backup quarterback now with the the horrible injury to Alex yes. Smith, unfortunately. And, and I'm not laughing and, about that. I'm yeah. laughing more about the Cowboys suddenly being in the middle of that division race. Yeah. yeah well, the Cowboys were two weeks ago. They were three and five, and everybody was writing them off. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> they've won back to back games. The Redskins lose their quarterback and and Dallas has a chance to uh to tie them for first and then uh the night game the Atlanta Falcons if they pick up their seventh loss it's I mean it's pretty much all over for them in yeah, terms of trying to tough. make the postseason if if the best they can do is is nine and seven the way things look so and the New Orleans Saints are the team that nobody can seem to stay with right now yeah it's gonna be an exciting day of games I am really uh you know I'm hoping we'll break here early enough to get home and you know, throw down some turkey and check these games out. Yeah. Uh, you know, personally, in addition, you know, the nar- the nar- narrative for the North is going to be what it is, and the, the intrigue is going to be there because of the Packers and the implications of it was the main reason why I was saying last week I, I think you're kind of hoping for a Vikings win just based on the Bears. You know, even as short rest, they're still taking on a Detroit team that's trying to find themselves. How much How much do you think Detroit's – I mean, Detroit got a pretty big win over Carolina yeah. at home on Sunday, a game a lot of people they thought – They needed Car- it. A lot of people thought Carolina would walk into Ford yeah. Field and just kind of keep rolling offensively, and that didn't happen. You know, Detroit, Detroit could really make life difficult for Chicago here. And they could pull themselves back into it because, again, this thing isn't – nobody's running away with it. A win over the Bears would put everybody within two games of each other yeah. uh, with five to go. So there are a lot of implications for that. Me personally, though, Michael, uh, the game I'm most excited about is Washington and Dallas because, to be quite honest with you, and I could end up being completely wrong, these next five weeks, six weeks could go terrible, I've always quietly been a Colt McCoy fan. I actually have always been impressed with him. I, I don't think he ever got a fair shake with Cleveland. If you go back and see and look at some of the issues that Cleveland's had, his stats actually bear out okay there. And he's been the backup in Washington for four seasons now. Uh, and they paid him, you know, a significant amount of money to be there the last two years. So this is why you do it. I, I think a lot of people consider him one of the upper echelon backups in the league. Well, now this is a chance to keep Washington in the playoff hunt. And conversely, you have a Dallas team that I think has given up the fewest points in the NFC right now defensively. Yeah, that's the thing. Dallas Dallas's defense yeah. is what has helped them 
turn this around and stay in it because, yeah, while their offense has smoothed some things out, their offense hasn't suddenly exploded. Right. It's their defense that has changed the tenor of certain games and gotten them back in this. So does that tenor continue on yeah. Thursday night I, I, or Thursday afternoon? I think that's going to be an excellent football game. Very much excited to watch it. And then New Orleans, Atlanta's had to overcome a lot with their injuries on defense this year, and now yeah. you got this silver bullet train just heading right for <laughs> you. Uh, I, we'll, we'll see how they handle it. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans, I I remember when in 2014, was that when the Packers played a primetime yes. game in New Orleans? I remember doing research at that time, and I can't remember how exactly it shook out, but the New Orleans Saints have an absolutely ridiculous home winning streak in primetime games. When it's nighttime, yeah. down in the Big Easy, and they fill that place with, I mean, it's it's like a playoff game yeah. anytime they play at night down there. It is crazy noisy. The Packers have, Packers only two trips to New Orleans in my 13 seasons covering the team have been night games, and they've been nightmares, yeah. quite frankly, for the Packers. So as much as the Falcons are struggling and they are desperate for a win, it's really hard to see, it's really hard to see them being the ones to stop this New Orleans train right the now. The deck is stacked against them yeah. probably as hard as anyone. What's interesting is you and I will preview these games every single week, and it always seems like, I don't, just probably the way it worked out, but it always seems like Atlanta's facing a really difficult opponent, whether it's at home or, you know, facing a tough matchup on the road. And with New Orleans is at right now, I mean, I think pound for pound, you'd consider them the number one power ranking team in the league right now. It doesn't get much more difficult than that. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we are going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We'll see you next time.